Well, welcome to FBC. Uh, my name is Joe Andrews. If this is your first time here, you're a guest. Uh, I'm not the face that you're usually going to see up here. That would be our pastor, David Burroughs. He's out at a conference uh, this week. And what he's really doing, I think, is he's trying to see how devoted to the Lord and this church you are. And his thinking goes like this. I'm going to have Joe preach for four weeks in a row. And if the people come back, I'll know that they're dedicated and that they love the Lord. Uh, I have really loved being with you for the last four weeks. This is my fourth week. This is the end of our series on Ruth. The series is called Relentless, and we've seen uh, how God is relentlessly pursuing his people in their lives, and we've seen it in the life of Ruth, but my prayer has been for you since the very first Sunday that I started preaching is not that you just hear the sermon and not just that you hear the word of God, but that you make it a part of your lives. When everything goes upside down, when you are in need, you can always count on the fact that God is actively pursuing you. So if you haven't been here, I'm going to kind of recap the last uh, three weeks for you as quickly as I can uh, so that I can get everybody up to speed uh, with where we're going to be today, which is Ruth chapter 4. So in Ruth chapter 1, uh, we looked at how the Lord is relentless in our lives in pursuing us and loving us, even though our lives have been turned upside down. Uh, I tried to rap earlier when our lives get flipped, turned upside down. You guys remember that? That's a Fresh Prince of Bel-Air, okay? That was a good joke, all right? I expect more laughs the next time. Uh, so Ruth and Naomi find that their lives have been flipped upside down. Everything has changed for, the, for them, and they're not dealing well with it. Through that, we also see that the Lord was still working in their lives, even though he was behind the scenes. So God was doing some things in their lives that they weren't even aware of in chapter 1. But as we're reading the story, we can see, wow. God is doing something to bring about his will in their lives, and it's, it was awesome. And so uh, we remember that God also works behind the scenes even when our lives are really bad, and that happens for us humans a lot. There's a lot of things that flip our worlds upside down. For Ruth and Naomi, it was death, okay? Naomi moved with her husband and two sons to a faraway place called Moab, that had a different people and a different God, a God that accepted human sacrifice. And it was there that Naomi loses her husband and her two sons. Her whole family is wiped out. One of her sons was married to Ruth, so Ruth also loses her husband. And so we see that even though their lives have been flipped upside down, that God is still working behind the scenes. The next week, we looked at God and how he's relentless in his grace and his mercy for those people who love him. And he does it for their good and his glory. We saw that in the story of Ruth as well. We saw that Ruth comes to, to Bethlehem for the very first time. She leaves her people. Ruth and Naomi move back to Bethlehem. And she tells Naomi, your people are going to be my people. Your God is going to be my God. I'm going to be here now. And it's there where she gets up and she goes to harvest in a field where God provides something that she hadn't seen for a while, kindness, provision, and protection. And it was all through this man whose name was Boaz. And Boaz was the owner of the field and he was just kind and good to Ruth from the very second that he saw her. And it was amazing. And then that brought us to chapter three. Chapter three, we saw how God was relentless in the details of our lives. I don't know if you've ever thought about it, but God's plan for our lives is so much bigger than our own plan. In fact, our plans are tiny when compared with the plan of God for our 
lives. And we saw God working through the plan that Naomi and uh, Ruth had concocted. Their plan was pretty simple. Uh, they were, uh, Ruth was supposed to go to where Boaz was sleeping outside one night and uh, basically propose marriage to him. And that was their end game. That was it. Ruth, you're going to do this, and then hopefully he marries you. We'll leave it in the Lord's hands. We'll leave it in Boaz's hands. We'll see what happens. But that's kind of their end game. God's end game was way different. God saw past just a possible marriage, and he saw far into the future. And that is kind of where we begin today's sermon. Today's sermon title is called Relentless in Redemption. God is relentless in redemption. It's so amazing just to look at this whole story and think how God did every single little thing that he did to reach Ruth. And I don't know if you know it yet, but at the end of this message, I'm going to show you how God pursuing Ruth was actually God pursuing you as well. And so we're going to get into that in just a second. But the very first thing that I want you to see today is that God has a relentless passion for redemption. If you forget every other word that I say today, these are the words that I want you to remember. God has a relentless passion for redemption. He is ready to redeem. Now, the word redeem is used in the book of Ruth about 20 times, and it's really mostly in the last two chapters of Ruth. I think it's one time in Ruth 1 and 2, and it's 19 times in Ruth uh, 3 and 4. This word redeem is a word that you have to know as we move forward, okay? A redeemer was someone who was a relative of someone who died. In this case, Naomi's husband passed away. He had a relative, and the nearest relative had the rights to redeem, okay? Now, what would they redeem? So Naomi, her life is upside down. She's lost her son. She's lost both of her sons. She's lost her husband. And she finds herself in a horrible situation. She's a widow and she's living with her other widowed daughter-in-law. There's no one to provide. They're poor. They have nothing. And so they're just going to go harvest in a field to hopefully get some grain. A redeemer, though, could come in and buy the land that belonged to Naomi's dead husband. And that is called redeeming. When he would buy that land, he would save that family. He would redeem them. Okay, and then Naomi would have some money so that she could live out the rest of her days. And Boaz, or whoever it would be, the redeemer, would acquire that land. Now, a redeemer could also buy you out of slavery. If something like that happens, sometimes the widows would sell themselves into slavery so that they could make ends meet, really, so they could have shelter and they could have food, and they would just work for someone. A redeemer could also set you free, buy you out of that. So when you think of the word redeem, think buy out of a huge problem, okay? That's what a redeemer does. The nearest relative could buy you out of the problems that you find yourself in. So as we kind of get into chapter four, one thing you have to know that is going to come into play a little bit later in our story is that this is 1,300 years before Jesus Christ comes onto the scene. 1,300 years before Jesus Christ is born. And I want, to, I want to say that just to set up something that I have at the end because it's amazing when you see everything that God did 1,300 years before Jesus uh, Christ came onto the scene. So uh, 
the first thing that I want you to see as we get into the scriptures is that Boaz relentlessly pursues Ruth's redemption. That's what he's going to do. He is going to go all out to redeem Ruth. He's going to save her from the situation and buy her out of the situation in which she finds herself. And so let's go to Ruth 4. This is verse 1. It says, Now Boaz had gone up to the gate, and he had sat down there. Now, uh, in this time in Bethlehem, really at any of the main cities, their gates, this was a place where people could do business. So Boaz knew, okay, I want to redeem Ruth. I'm going to relentlessly pursue Ruth's redemption. And here's how I'm going to do it. I have to go to the gate. And he sets out, like some of you ladies set out to go to Target, and you know exactly what you want. Nobody is getting in your way. You get out of my way. I'm going for what I need. That's exactly how Ruth was. He's Boaz in Target, okay? He's going to go for it. He is going to redeem Ruth no matter what it costs him. He doesn't care. He is going to make it happen. And so he would go to the city gate, and he would conduct his business there. The good thing about the city gate was it's the place where people gathered, okay? So he would probably come across the guy he needs to talk to. Well, last week, we ended Ruth 3 with, uh, with Ruth saying to Boaz, you are our redeemer, redeem us. And he says, that's true, and I can't wait to redeem you, except there's one problem. There's a closer relative to your dead husband, or to, to Naomi's dead husband, than me. And he has the first right to redeem you. And it seems like a horrible thing has happened in this plan that everybody has concocted. But it's not that bad. And so Boaz sets out to make it all right. He's going to find the Redeemer. He's going to go to the city gate. All the public is going to be passing by. And they're going to be able to hear everything that Boaz has to present at the city gate. And he sat down there. And behold, the Redeemer of whom Boaz had spoken came by. So this is the other relative that could redeem Naomi and Ruth. And if you're paying attention in this story, you're like, no, who is this guy? We don't want this guy in the story. We don't want this guy to come in and swoop down on Ruth and Naomi and get them out of everything that they're in. No, we want Boaz to do that because he's the hero of our story. And so this is kind of crazy. So he came by. So Boaz said in this weird kind of broken English kind of way, turn aside, friend, sit down here. I don't know why he talks like that, but he just does. And so the Redeemer, he turns around and turns aside and he sits down. And he took 10 men of the elders of the city and he said, sit down here. Now in this time, the, the city of Bethlehem also had elders. They would be people who could give a general ruling. They weren't like judges or anything else. They would kind of serve as witnesses. And Boaz is like, I'm going to get 10 of them together. They're going to hear the business that I have to present. And they're going to watch as I redeem Ruth. So they also sit down. Then he said to the Redeemer, Naomi, who has come back from the country of Moab, is selling the parcel of land that belonged to our relative, Elimelech. Now, Boaz is no dummy. Boaz knows that his end goal is to redeem Naomi and marry Ruth. He knows that. But he's going to present this case to uh, the other redeemer in a good way at first, and then he's going to spring some bad news on him. So the guy is like, whoa, what? All right, so let's keep, let's keep reading. So Boaz says, so I thought I'd tell you of it and say, buy it in the presence of all of those sitting here and in the presence of all of the elders of my people. If you will redeem it, redeem it. But if you won't, tell me 
that I may know, for there is no one besides you to redeem it, and, after, uh, and I come after you. And he said, I will redeem it. And all of our hearts sink, and we're like, what in the world is going on? But Boaz has his plan. Let's look at the plan of Boaz. This is awesome. Then Boaz says, the day that you buy the field, it's like BTW. By the way, the day that you buy this field from the hand of Naomi, you also acquire Ruth the Moabite. Okay, Ruth the Moabite from the other people group, from the other god, the idol worshiper who came here. Okay, that sounds like a great plan. So not only do you get to redeem Naomi, you also get Ruth the Moabite in the deal. And then he says, she's a widow. And then he's like, of the dead. (laughs) I don't know why. I think he's just trying to make this as grim as possible for this guy. He's like, okay, she's a Moabite and a widow of the dead. Of course, they're widows of the dead. That's what widows are. In order to perpetuate the name of the dead in his inheritance. So Boaz is like, all right, if you want to redeem it, that's great. This is good news for Naomi and Ruth. Uh, This is good news for Naomi. By the way, there's a Moabite that comes in the deal. You have to redeem her as well. And uh, she's a widow of the dead. And this guy is like, okay, so let's go to verse 6. Then the Redeemer said, I cannot redeem it for myself, lest I impair my own inheritance. I think his wife was sitting next to him and was listening, and she's like, Okay, the proposition is to buy this land to redeem Naomi and another woman. She's like, no, there is no way you're buying land that comes with two women. No, you tell him no. You tell him you will not redeem it. And so that's, that's where we have him. So then the Redeemer says, take my right of redemption yourself for I can't redeem it. He was worried about his own inheritance. What would happen in that day? Because he would have had to pay a large sum of money to Naomi for that land. And if Ruth came in the deal and she had a child ever, that land would go back to her child because he's Elimelech's descendant. And so he's like, wow, that kind of jeopardizes everything. It's such a large sum of money. I I can't do it. I just can't do it because if she has uh, a child, then all that land goes to him and I've wasted this money. Now I've saved somebody, but at the same time, I have to look out for myself. And he's like, no, I, I can't. I can't do it now. So here's the part of the story that we've all been waiting for. This is when Boaz redeems Ruth. If you've been following for the last uh, three weeks, this is the part of the movie that you're waiting for. This is when the guy finally says to the girl, I love you, let's be together, let's get married, and it all works out. And that's usually the end of the movie. That's like the part that you're waiting for. Not in this one, though. This one doesn't end that way. Now, it does end with Ruth and Boaz getting together. They get married, but that's just not the end. God has some huge things planned for Boaz and Naomi. God has a different end game. So let's get into verse 7. It says, Now this was the custom in former times of Israel concerning redeeming and exchanging to confirm a transaction. Now, whoever's writing this, and we don't know the writer of Ruth, they're like, uh, this was an old thing that they used to do. Uh, So the one would draw off his sandal and give it to the other, and this was the manner of attesting or doing business or sealing a deal in Israel. I don't know how that worked. Like, you just take off your sandal and give it to the other guy, and you're just walking along with one sandal for the rest of the day, and everybody's like, oh, that guy must have made a deal today. He's only got one sandal on. Uh, If it was one of my kids, you'd just assume they just forgot to put on their other sandal. So 
when the Redeemer said to Boaz, buy it for yourself, he drew off his sandal. So he took off the sandal. This is just the way they do things. I don't know why they did it this way, but it was. And then we get to verse 9. Then Boaz says to the elders and all of the people, you are witnesses this day. Listen to this. This is it. This is the point that you've been waiting for in this story. You're all witnesses this day. Now, remember, he has the Redeemer there, but he also has the 10 elders that are there to kind of verify that everything goes well and that justice is served. But you also have all of this happening outside at the city gate where anyone walking by could stop by and hear the business. And so Boaz proclaims to everyone that's there. Everybody probably knew who Boaz was, probably knew who Ruth was. They'd heard of her. They knew that she was a worthy woman. They knew that Boaz was a righteous man. And so when he's doing business, I'm, ga- I'm guessing they gathered quite a crowd. So he says, you are witnesses, all of you, this day that I have bought from the hand of Naomi everything that belonged to her husband, Elimelech, and that belonged to her two sons, Kilion and Malon. Also, Ruth the Moabite, the widow of Malon, I have bought to be my wife. Isn't that awesome? Now listen to this. I don't, I don't know if you remember Malon's name. I've never told you which of the two sons that Ruth was married to, but she was married to Malon. His name means weak. Boaz means strength. You see how God is bringing Ruth up from weakness and giving her strength, providing everything she needs for the future. And God is doing this, you know why? Not because Boaz has a relentless passion to redeem people, but because God has a relentless passion to redeem people. And so he says, I have bought her to be my wife. Now don't think it was like she, he was just paying money so he could marry a woman. That's not, that's not it at all. He was buying her out of all of her problems. He was taking her out of being someone without protection, someone without means, someone without work, and he was bringing bringing her under his wings of protection. And he did this because he absolutely loved her. So he was buying her out of everything that had gone wrong in her life. And he says, to perpetuate the name of the dead, that would be Elimelech, Naomi's husband, in his inheritance, that the name of the dead may not be cut off from among his brothers and from the gate of his native place. You are witnesses this day. Then all the people who were at the gate and the elders said this. Now, this is is amazing because this is a blessing, uh, another blessing in the book of Ruth. I don't know if you remember, but there's a lot of blessings. In every chapter, we have blessings. Some have two, some have one. But this is the blessing in Ruth 4, and it comes from the people, and it's a blessing over Ruth and Boaz as a newly married couple. Now, this would be basically a prayer. When they give a blessing, they're saying, may the Lord do these things in your life. And I hope that he does, and we're praying that he will. This is, this is what they say. We are witnesses. Listen to this. May the Lord make the woman who is coming into your house like Rachel and Leah. Rachel and Leah had a lot of children who together built up the house of Israel. May you act worthily in Ephrathah and be renowned in all of Bethlehem. And may your house be like the house of Perez, who Tamar bore to Judah because of all of the offspring there, because of the offspring that the Lord will give you by this young woman, Ruth. Ruth was married before, though. 
don't know if you remember, it's probably at least eight or ten years that she was married. You ever heard of uh, Ruth's children in this story? They're not there. You know why? Ruth is barren. She knew it. She was married to a man for a really long time and never had children. That would have been a disgrace in that time. Naomi knew that Ruth was barren. Boaz probably knew, because she didn't have any children from her first marriage, that she's probably barren. So there is no hope of them having children. But do you hear this blessing that the people give over them? May she be fruitful. May she have a lot of children. That's an amazing thing. And we're going to see exactly how God uses that. The next thing I want you to see is that God pursuing Ruth changed the history of Israel forever. I've never really shared with you all of the information about Ruth, but we're about to learn uh, something huge in verses 13 to 17. God is going to change the history of Israel forever. Let's, uh, let's look at it. So Boaz took Ruth. She became his wife, and he went into her, and the Lord gave her conception, and she bore a son. You would have thought we bleeped that out, but we didn't. We just kept rolling with it. Then the women said to Naomi, Blessed be the Lord who has not left you this day without a redeemer, and may his name be renowned in Israel. Now remember, this is after Boaz has already redeemed Naomi and Ruth. And they're talking about a new redeemer here. He shall be to you a restorer of life and a nourisher of your old age for your daughter-in-law who loves you, who is worth more to you than seven sons, not just the two sons that you lost, has given birth to him, your redeemer. There's a new redeemer in the picture. It's Ruth and Boaz's child and he redeems Naomi. It says, then Naomi took the child and laid him on her lap and became his nurse. And the women of the neighborhood gave him a name saying, a son has been born to Naomi. Now, it wasn't Naomi's son. It was Ruth's son. But the Lord is redeeming Naomi through the son because now there's a new heir. Elimelech, they get the land back, right? Ruth's son gets the land. Now the new son, the little baby, is the redeemer. Pretty awesome. They named him Obed. He was this and this. He was the father of Jesse, the father of David as in David and Goliath, as in David and Bathsheba, as in David who killed lions, as in David who played the harp. That same David, King David, the most widely known, wonderfully accepted, godly king that Israel has ever known. Ruth is his great grandma. And you thought this story was just going to end with something small like Boaz and Ruth getting together. When this was written, David had already become king, and they knew the history. God saved a Moabite woman so that we could have a king. That is huge. That should really blow your minds. And if that doesn't do it, I want you to look at this next thing. God relentlessly pursuing Ruth actually leads straight to our redemption. Let me put that another way. If God had not pursued Ruth and redeemed Ruth and saved Ruth and brought her to Bethlehem and she married Boaz, had he not done any of that, you and I would not have redemption today. We couldn't be saved. That's a weird statement to make in a church, isn't it? Had God not done that 3,300 years ago, 
I couldn't be saved? That's exactly right. Go ahead and flip over to Matthew 1. This is the genealogy of Jesus Christ, our Savior. Listen to this. Who do you think is in the genealogy of Jesus Christ in verse 5 of Matthew 1? It says, And Salmon, father of Boaz by Rahab, and Boaz, the father of Obed by Ruth, and Obed, the father of Jesse, and Jesse, the father of David the king. Now, if there's one thing we know about David the king and Jesus Christ is that Jesus Christ had to be born in the line of David because he was king. He had to be of the tribe of Judah. It was just something that God had predicted from, uh, from years before. The king, the savior, the Messiah of Israel, Messiah of the whole world would have to be, have to come from the tribe of David and from the tribe of Judah. Sorry, from the line of David and the tribe of Judah. So let's skip a little, we're going to skip all the fathers and the sons and we're going to go down to verse 16 and it says, and Jacob, the father of Joseph, the husband of Mary, of whom Jesus was born, who is called the Christ. That's pretty huge. God pursued Ruth because God loved you and I so much that he loved Ruth so that he could bring Jesus Christ to the earth to save each and every one of us. Now, here's the next thing that I want you to see. Jesus Christ is the climax of this story of Ruth from our point of view. Okay, now from somebody living around that time, maybe in David's time, they're reading this story, they're hearing it read to them in the temple. Jesus Christ is, is not the climax of this story. King David is. Because they don't know Jesus Christ is coming. That's still a thousand years in the future. But from our point of view, David is a side note in this story. Jesus Christ is the climax of this story. Jesus Christ coming to redeem you and I, that's the climax of the book of Ruth to us from our point of view because we've seen for, how, for the last 3,300 years what God has done to save you and to save me. And all of that happened 1,300 years before Jesus was even born. Jesus, God pursued Ruth to bring Jesus into this world to save you and to save me. And I'm so happy that he did it. Boaz redeemed Ruth out of her upside down world. Jesus redeems you and I out of our upside down worlds. Our upside down worlds, maybe they've been caused by death sometime, but as, if we're speaking about Jesus and we're speaking about redemption, Jesus Christ looks on us and our upside down world is sin. And we are looking pitifully up for someone to save us. And God says, I'll send a redeemer. It'll be Jesus Christ. He's the climax of the whole book. It's all about Jesus. Where Boaz redeemed one person, Jesus redeems many. In fact, as many as who call upon the name of the Lord will be saved, Romans tells us. What an amazing thing. Jesus Christ loves us so much that he sees us in our upside down world. He sees us and he wants to relentlessly pursue us with his grace and with his mercy. And as he does that, he redeems us and he gets all of the glory. And where we were once on the floor, not able to move, he has given us eternal life and salvation through his son. 
So God saw Ruth's poor, helpless condition, and Jesus sees ours. And as he looks down on us and he sees everything that's going on in our lives, and I know you people out there have upside down lives. If it's not happening now, maybe you just came out of it. If it's not either of those, maybe you're about to go into a, turn, a, a, a time in your life where everything is flipped upside down and you have to have someone to call on. You have to have someone to put your faith in. Jesus sees you right where you are and he says, don't you know that I'm your redeemer? I don't want anybody else to redeem you. I'm the only one that can save you. You can't get out of the mess that you've made yourself all by yourself. You can't call on anybody else to get rid of your sin. I'm your redeemer. And guess what? I have a relentless passion to redeem you. That is my job. That is why I live. Because you need redemption. Can you see that the Lord loves you today. This redemption that he offers, here's the cool thing, is not just for you. It's for your neighbor who you never think is gonna come to the Lord. It's for your children who you're so worried about. He is also their redeemer. He is the amazing one that will lift them out of everything that you're worried about for their lives. And he will set them up and he will redeem them and he will save them because he loves them like he loved a Moabite woman a long time ago. It's also for your coworkers. This redemption is for anyone who will call upon the name of the Lord. So make sure that you leave today knowing that part of your job as the redeemed is to tell other people about this redemption that they can have. I don't know where you are in your life right now. Probably most of us have already been redeemed. We've already said, Lord, save me. I can't do it on my own. Remember that the Lord has saved you. Keep walking in it and keep telling other people about his salvation. Some of you haven't or won't let God redeem you for one reason or another. But over the last four weeks, we have seen that God relentlessly loves each and every one of you. Please give your life to him. Let him save you out of your mess and let him be the Lord and the God of your life till the end of your days. Some of you are worried about somebody else in your life, whether it's a brother or a mom or a dad or a child, a cousin. You know that they don't know the Lord, but that's the one thing that they need to get through everything that they're going through. In just a moment, we're going to have some of our ministers up here come and pray with one of us if you have someone like that to pray about. If you've never been redeemed, if you haven't been saved by Jesus Christ, come and talk to one of us and we can help you understand who he is and what he has done for you. If you want to join this church a church that holds the scriptures as the authority over our lives, then come and let one of us know. We'll help you join the church. If you just need prayer for your own life or anything else, come and talk to one of us. We will be here. But remember this, that Jesus Christ has a relentless passion to redeem. He loves it and he can't wait to do it in your life or the life of someone you know. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. God, we love you so much. It is an honor to sit back and read how in the actual life of Ruth, you relentlessly pursued her. Relentlessly pursued her to redeem her. 
on the earth through Boaz, but also to redeem her as your daughter, spiritually. And we thank you so much that you've done that. And we don't look to David as the end of the story. We look to Jesus Christ, who is everything to us. He's made our very lives possible, and he loves to redeem. It's the business that he is in. God, help us respond in a way that honors you today. In Jesus' name.